So, um, they announced, they put a flyer out, Legion of Skanks is going to be at the Creek in a Cave in Long Island City, Mila Yiannopoulos is going to be the guest Monday night, they're always there Monday night, and then there was uh, the reaction, the, you know, stereotypical reaction of people that are concerned about safe spaces and uh, people feeling safe. <laughs> They then said they were going to show up to the creek in combat boots and start chucking milkshakes at people and physically attacking <laughs> them. Those are the people that were interested in the safety. They wanted everyone to feel safe, so they wanted to show up and start a violent riot just to make sure that everybody felt safe. Um, How many people do you think that was total that were like outraged? I don't like know. What, 50, 100 people? Maybe. That are like all New York comics? Well, a lot of them are New York comics, but then you have groups like uh, Antifa, which is the anti fascists, <laughs> uh, you know, who show up to places with uh, masks on and hit people with bike locks. Again, to promote safety, <laughs> they want a safe world. So when uh, Ben Shapiro shows up at Berkeley, they have a riot. And when Mila Yiannopoulos showed up at Berkeley, they were like shooting firecrackers into the auditorium. Again, because they want a safe world. This is how they want it. And I guess, and then there was a lot of New York City comics. I use the word comic loosely because here's the thing. I've been in the room when a lot of these people are on stage. Not anymore, because they don't get booked anywhere. But in the beginning, I saw a lot of these guys and women go on a stage and fight like hell against what the, like, the verdict was that you should be nowhere near a microphone <laughs> ever. Like you should be as far away from a stage as you argue that Milo now should be. <laughs> like, that should have been the response to half of these people getting booked should be violent uprisings. Yeah. That's what it should be. Shouldn't only be Milo. Half of these people, you see their act, they're like, oh, the response to you getting booked at the creek should be stomping boots and hurling milkshakes. Um, these people had careers that didn't work out in comedy. Um, some of these people have very lucrative careers in, in, in things like writing. Some of them are researchers for shows. Some of them are in the sketch world. But I do, I do think it kind of drew a line between stand-ups and, and everybody else, like working stand-up comics, like people that make a living talking in front of a crowd. That's how they earn their living. Because those people, if you're a real comic and you're up every night and you're, you're training in these environments and a lot of them are hostile and you're dealing with hecklers and you're learning how to shut people down, you're learning how to get your jokes out there, you can't be afraid of words. If you're a comedian, a real comedian, you cannot be afraid of speech and words. That's your whole fucking job. Oh. Yeah. Also, if you're like working at it, you don't have the time to like start an on online mob. No, the Legion of Scam. Like you yeah. don't have the time to you do that. You shouldn't. No. You shouldn't. But I think even on a basic level, your business is words. Yeah. How do you get behind a movement to silence someone? I don't care how offensive they are. If you cannot shut that person down with your own words, your own arguments, if you can't invalidate their opinions that's a whole bit because the argument and then we're gonna we'll, we'll get off this 
But the argument that these people make all the time, and, and I try to find, because there's people that I respect comedically that I disagree with, and, that, and then there's a whole host of people who I don't respect comedically because there's nothing to respect. They just, there's nothing there. I, I don't know what, to, you know, they're delivering food, they're walking dogs, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking those jobs, but these people have not proven, and they don't believe, by the way, that, 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 that it matters. Like, they think that they're as good as I am, or they think they're as good as Louie is, or Kevin Hart. <laughs> they don't believe in talent, they don't believe in hard work. They think that the only reason that I'm... Uh, in, a, in a better position than them or that other comedians are in better positions than them is because we found a way to exploit some loophole or we have opinions that put us uh, comfortably in the mainstream or whatever. But what it really is is that we're able to make con- people laugh consistently. That's why you get work. That's why you get booked is because people will pay to see you do comedy. If you are not getting booked, here's what it means. Two things. Number one, People will not pay to see you do comedy. And number two, nobody believes that people will pay to see you do comedy either now or in the future. (laughs) That's what it means. That's what it means, guy. It doesn't mean that you're too edgy and radical and you're, you're too much of a truth teller. It's not what it means. It's a simple business equation. It means that people do not think that people will spend money to hear your thoughts. Why? Theme of the show. New shirt coming. Why? Because your thoughts have no value. I want you to say it before you go to bed. My thoughts have no value. How freeing is that? How nice is that to finally accept that what comes out of your mouth is immaterial? doesn't matter. No one cares. No one wants it. Who ordered this? Nobody. It's a waiter putting a bowl of shit on the table. Did you order the shit? No one did. No one did. And you don't have a right. But they don't believe that. They don't believe that. And this is why they fall so easily into Marxism and everything else, because the idea that somebody's better than them or has a talent they don't or works harder than they do, they hate. You ever wake up out of a dream that you felt was so real? How about a sex dream? Everything you want to happen plays out and it is like a perfectly personalized porno hitting every beat of your sexual desires and playing on all the things you like. You ever had one of those? Those dreams are peculiar in the most lovely way, aren't they? They, they come from just a very primal urge in a way I don't think we get to tap into often. I feel generally we're pretty res- reserved, reserved. But you know, these animalistic needs that we have and these primal urges that we have that I feel like we forego a lot in your dreams, there's no limits. So shit happens. You know what I'm saying? These sex dreams, I don't have them often. But when I do, I wake up feeling a little rambunctious, excitable, and playful. One thing I always notice 
in these dreams, in these steamy night unconscious fantasies, is that I'm always, always wearing lace. And really, for a girl, what is more sexy than lace? I want to show you, but I don't. Lace is always on the edge of revealing too much, edging your senses, edging your desire, edging your curiosity. The best lingerie is made of lace. Lace is meant to be peeled off with care, slowly. Lace says, I want to show you just enough to titillate you, but I'm not ready to show you everything just yet. Lace says, remove me slowly, deliberately, carefully, for I am delicate, dainty. It's just so feminine. In my world, I'm wearing lace if I want to seduce you. I even wear lace at home to keep that sexy feel on point. It's the quintessential sex garment material. Lace. I can't wear that stuff out. It just makes me behave a certain way. The subtlety of lace undergarments makes me overtly sexual. Like the lace, I like the idea of the tease. The tantalizing. The tempting. The titillating. The alliteration my friends. I mean, I don't know if guys really, why does that keep happening to me in the morning? I don't know if guys really care about the whole lace thing, but I have a girlfriend who also understands this and it's fantastic. I feel like it's one of those things you really can't wear because you know exactly what it's going to do. You can wear those things on your legs, pantyhose, whatever they're called, with a skirt or something, and there's just something suggestive. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's just something. Sorry about that. That was quite rude. Where was I? There's just something suggestive about lace. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's sexy, though. And it's a weird thing that I noticed. In my sex dreams, I'm not going to get into the sex dream. You can pay me for that if you want to hear about that. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) But just a weird thing to notice. I love lace. I love lace. I'm also a girl, and I, I love girly things. I also like tapping into my primal urges every now and again. Do you feel like you get to do that enough, aside from like an aggressive point of view that that sexual primal energy is my favorite especially when it's with the right guy but I do digress because it is 4.45 in the morning and uh, this is very inappropriate naughty naughty first thing in the morning And now for a total 180, because I found this article yesterday that I had just, I don't, I don't know what to think of any of the stuff and it always just makes my brain go, 
I'm just going to tell you what the headline says. Are you ready? It says, The Brexpats. Oh no. From sex and lace to Brexit. This is going to get really exciting. Are you ready? <laughs> Why the vote to leave the EU drove some Brits to head for Canada. Eh. <laughs> Honestly, I don't mind if we're getting Brits here, but... We woke up in the morning, starts the article, and we heard the results on the news. And the first thing we said was, let's move to Canada. Yeah, you remember when Trump got elected and a bunch of stupid American celebrities were like, I'm moving to Canada if Trump gets elected. No, you ain't. <laughs> Nuh-uh, you big fucking liar. Sarah Woolley, a 38-year-old British paramedic, is describing the morning after the Brexit referendum in June 2016. Holy crap, I can't believe that was so long ago. They expected their house would devalue by 80,000 pounds, which is 135,000 Canadian. Once Brexit takes effect in 2019. <clears throat> so, never mind the moving stuff. The thing that I wanted to point out of this article here is throughout the article, there's a couple of complaints that the country has become very racist. It suddenly became okay to make racial comments about people in the street. Hmm, I mean, I'm, I'm so tired of the racism thing. I bet she probably means the Muslim thing, which... Have, do, are we still confused about Muslims? Um, being part of a religion and not a race? How do people not get that if you're going to... That's the only thing I can think of here because I have heard no real stories of racism. And any racism that's being declared is usually because of the immigration issue, because of Muslim refugees. Look, dude. If you want to associate brownness or a color of skin with Muslims, that's racial on your part. Do you get it? <laughs> Do you get it? I think I should go back to talking about lace, personally. But what more is there to say? It feels nice on the skin. It's lovely. It's sexy. It's very, I don't know. I don't know if guys like this. I don't think guys care as much about lace or these cute little outfits that we like to put on and entice you with or whatever. I don't know if guys really care about that. It's fun though. It's fun. Those cute little baby doll dresses and stuff with like the, they have like lace over the boobs and then this nice, um, like, uh, what is it? It's kind of like a transparent, translucent material below. You know, it's like a sneak peek. It's a sneak peek. Isn't that sexy? It's sexy when it's like subtle. Right? 
Am I right? I love lace. It's so cute on underwear. It's very cute as like an additional, just a nice little design kind of feature to add to a bra. It's so girly. I feel like femininity is so underrated. I I love being a girl. Being a girl is a lot of fun. I mean, I would like to have a dick for one day. I would like to have a dick for one day. Just to know what it's like to be a man. And just to know what it's like to pee standing up. And just to know what it's like to jerk off. I think it would be interesting. And I feel like it would be a lot easier to jerk off as a man than it is to jerk off as a girl. Your wrist is in a weird position. And, you know, it can get a little bit uh, weird sometimes. But... So awesome. <laughs> Where's your head at, Amy? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's in inappropriate places and it probably will be all fucking day. You forget that? Like, some days you're just more overtaken by sexual thoughts than others and it's like a hormonal thing. It's like a, my body is like, Amy. You need to make a baby. Make a child. Because that's what a woman's body is meant to do. Make babies. You know, when you're in those peak years of your life, your body is just constantly trying to tell you. I don't know how I curb this impulse. I got to tell you. Let me tell you. I'm a sexual person. You know, I enjoy everything about sex. I think it's such a fun aspect of being a human being. Yeah, fuck Brexit, dude. Let's talk sex. I think it's such a fun, fun aspect of being a human being. And I feel like, like, how are people prudes? I feel it's because we have this, all this religious baggage and all this puritanical nonsense that still comes from this religious dogma and nonsense that still permeates our fucking culture so strongly. And I don't like it. I don't like that people feel like they need to suppress themselves. I mean, I'm not saying go out and rape everybody. You know, I'm not saying go out and rape everybody. (laughs) We should be okay with what we want sexually, though. We shouldn't feel shy about that. And some stuff is a little weird. There's some weird desires out there. But sex is like everything else. Um, Sex is like you're, you're eating your palate on your tongue. Everybody has a slightly different one. And everybody wants to engage in acts that are palatable to them. And guess what? That's okay. Just don't fuck animals and children, okay? (laughs) That got dark for a minute, didn't it? You ever wonder if porn is killing people's sex drives? I do. The young kids especially. The young kids especially. I can't imagine. Porn is like a supplementary thing for me. It's not something I can watch all the time. I also have... A wicked, vivid imagination. Wicked vivid. A lot of the time, I would rather just close my eyes and think of shit than watch it. But don't get me wrong. Porn is amazing. Okay. 
Now, I didn't start watching porn until way later in my life because I was just such an innocent little child for so long. But I can't imagine that it motivates a young guy to chase girls for sex when he can just jerk off at home. Or same with young girls. I don't know. if I wonder if they lose interest too because I'm sure they watch it too. Do you lose interest in being chased or chasing the opposite sex? Because that's kind of sad, isn't it? It's kind of sad if you're like a teenager and you're like, why the fuck would I want to chase girls? Fuck rejection. Fuck all this dumb shit. I'm just going to stay home and jerk off. Hmm. It seems all too easy and all too prevalent. And you got to wonder about people... Like I said, I frequent a politics server, right? And you always see the same people there when you go. And I go in there sporadically. So it's pretty crazy to think that there's just someone who sits there all fucking day. What are you doing? Are you not motivated to chase girls? Are you not motivated? Like, it's a lot of young kids that are in there. And I wonder. I wonder about them. I think, like everything else, porn is something you gotta kind of limit. Sounds kind of prudish, I know. But, I mean, it's a psychological thing. You don't want to have diminishing returns on something like that. Plus, you don't want to be discouraged from doing what you're supposed to do as a regular teenager. Chasing girls, you know? Getting your heart broken. Same with you. Same with you, girls. Getting chased and getting your heart broken and... Feeling all those things you're supposed to feel when you have the desire to have sex or whatever. It's a great motivator. You know, it's a great motivator wanting to have sex. And if you're always just assuaging that desire with porn. hmm. As a young person, is that good? I don't think so. I'm, I'm the same with porn. Very young. As I am with drugs very young. I don't like the idea of it. I don't like the idea of it because, I mean, I think it would suck to grow up with porn, like from, say, 12, 13. I know boys watch that stuff real young. And I don't even care if you watch it, but it's the amount. You don't want to get to, like, 25 and have zero interest in girls, right? I just don't know. This is a very curious question because I've been listening to, you know, I listen to Gavin McInnes a lot. And he will talk about this like, you know, just don't beat off for 10 days or like, don't watch porn for this long. And I often wonder what really would the effect be. And I do actually wonder because I'm not entirely sure what the effect would be if someone is just relying on porn all the time. I don't think it's good to not chase girls. And I don't think it's good to not date and not do these things, which is funny to say because I'm not dating right now. (laughs) You know, when you're like 13, 14 years old, those are the fun times. Those are the times where, you know, you feel... When we were 14, you know, boys were confident differently um they always talk to the girls we always talk to the boys and uh boys and girls were always together and all my friends had boyfriends I got a boyfriend at the end of ninth grade 
And, um, <clears throat> I don't know. We were always just like that. I was with him for seven years. Like, I had friends who were with their boyfriends for, like, five, six years. And we were in happy, good relationships. And it's weird. I don't, I don't know how I... I'm just really out of touch with the kids these days. I'm really all over the place with this thought cast, my loves. That's how it goes, though. You start thinking about one thing, it sparks a thought about another thing, and then you're like, hmm. Well, now what? I think what I would like to do, actually, is discuss this porn thing with a man. Because I want to know. I want to know. I don't know. I know men like it, but I want to know, what are your normal habits? You know, maybe three times a week for me. Three times a week for me. And it ranges from, I don't know. I don't watch very long. I watch muted too, by the way. Does anybody else watch porn with the sound on? I can't stand that shit. It is so exaggerated. It entirely takes away from the experience. (laughs) Can you fake it any harder? Why can't you? Like, I don't understand. I don't get it. Like, if you are not somebody who's loud during sex, and you're just one of these breathers, which, by the way, is also sexy as fuck, why does that... I feel like that's an added thing. The noises and the... Not the noises of the actual act, but like the girl noises. It's so annoying. I can't listen to it. I just can't listen to it. What about you? Hmm? <laughs> I guess we're going to have another smorgasbord here. Because um, scatterbrain. Oh my God, scatterbrain. Sexual scatterbrain. That's what we're going to call this one. <laughs> this dream fucked me up, you know, like, I'm waking up now, and it's like, mm, welcome to real life, Amy, everything you dreamed, everything you dreamt last night was not real, I know you wish it was, but it wasn't, click, dreams, click, <laughs> click, okay, thanks, click, okay, thanks, click, hang up the phone, click, then you wake up and you're like, ah, fuck. Why couldn't I stay asleep for that one? That one was amazing. So vivid. And um, the the dreams where you just like, you, you feel like all the things that you're feeling in that dream, you're feeling in real life. There's just no, I must have been in some deep, heavy REM sleep, you know, for me to be that immersed in the experience. Dreams are crazy because there is a point, like, there was a point where I could not, now waking up and kind of thinking about it and waking up with this incredible feeling is just, at night, when, you, when you're in that deep sleep state, your, your brain doesn't seem to be able to discern <clears throat> what's real and what's not. And that's what happens when your prefrontal cortex goes offline. It goes offline, you know? And that discerning mechanism, which is in your prefrontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex is that discerning mechanism, my apologies, that shut off, lets your brain go wild. 
And in that wilderness, you find some crazy shit. You have some crazy real dreams. And the crazy thing about that is, is that it's all manifesting from this process that happens at night, which is memory consolidation. Your brain consolidates memories at nighttime of the day before, condenses everything, puts it into a coherent little pocket, and then it goes in your memory. So it can remember. It, it does this weird, it's not technically called pruning. Pruning is something that happens when you age from your adolescence into adulthood. And as you're aging, certain patterns and stuff are just pruned. They're pruned. Your brain prunes them and redirects some of those pathways in other ways. And um, yeah, you know, sorts it out. Sorts it out, man. And it just, all these things are weird. You dream about all these things. And I wonder, is it like, it's got to be more than just a base level desire thing. I think it's random. I think it's random. You know, people will say, oh, your dreams tell you something. I think your dreams mean something. I think that's woo. I think that's bullshit. I do not think your dreams mean anything. I think your dreams are just a byproduct of that process that's happening in the middle of the night. And I think if there's some things that you felt during the day or what have you, those might pop up in your dream or some things you, you know, experienced in your life, whatever. Some of your fears. You know, I had this crazy dream once. Crazy dream. I watched... My mom and my two younger brothers, when they were very young children, get into this crazy fucking car accident. They got hit by a semi. And it was terrifying. I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't snap myself awake. I was just watching this awful accident. First from the outside of the car, and then from the inside of the car. I woke up cold sweating breathing very heavily my heart rate was insane I had an adrenaline rush in the middle of the night because of that dream and it fucked me up for days because it did not feel like it was a dream and I've never had such a horrific nightmare in my life it was so scary I saw my mom and my brothers die the moment they went from consciousness to unconsciousness in that car. Blood everywhere, glass everywhere. It was so vivid. I don't even know. I don't even know how my brain did something like that. But like I said, like having a very vivid imagination, it's, it's a great thing. It's also very negative, too. The bad things are incredibly brutal to experience, and the amazing things are pretty intense. And that's good. I like that. I do like it. You know what I hate about my brain, though? Sometimes, like, my friends will describe something really fucking gross, and I can't help but picture it. My brain just starts picturing that shit. <laughs> What a stupid thing to tell anybody, right? Like, people could just fuck with my head all day now. <laughs> nice fun, Amy, you big dum-dum. 
Let me take a sip of this coffee. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I hope you're having a good morning. I hope your day is swell. Huh. What a silly little thought cast this morning. Oh, let's talk about lace and sex dreams. Um, let me just pause that for Brexit. Up, back to sex dreams. Up, back to dreams. Dreams are very interesting. They're interesting because we all have them. We feel like there's something, but they're, you know, on average, a dream is about two minutes long. On average, a dream is about two minutes long. Sometimes they feel like they're all night. Like that scary one I had where I woke up in a panic. It's amazing because, again, when you can't discern whether it's real or fake and it feels so real like that, it's real, dog. The emotions are real. The adrenaline coursing through your body is real. Your heart rate increasing because your fear response is being triggered by this picture. That's real. You can induce some crazy psychological states in yourself just by thinking about something very, very, very strongly in a concentrated manner. <clears throat> Hear that? My voice cracked like I was 13 and going through puberty. As a boy, though. <laughs> weird shit. Dreams are weird shit. <clears throat> but I love them. Have you ever tried lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming. I've tried, but I find that I can't do the thing near the end where I just kind of let go and and I'm like in that twilight zone of awake and asleep. Asleep enough where I'm not moving or I, I'm, I seem unconscious, but not asleep enough that I can't witness and try and control what's happening in the dream a bit. As soon as I start getting into the dream and I start controlling things and moving the pieces, you know what happens? I want to keep on moving the pieces because it's it's so cool when you can control when when you can kind of control what's happening in the dream like this is how I want to orchestrate this. This is what I want to see. This is what I'm going to make happen. It's hard to fall asleep. <laughs> it just keeps me awake because I'm like, oh, but what about this? What about this? I want to do this. You know? Yeah. Dreams. <laughs> huh. What about falling? Have you ever fallen in the middle of the night? So I've had these crazy dreams that were warning me. Like my brain is trying to tell me, hey, you got to pee or hey, you're about to fall. Get this, okay? This is how cool brains are. Well, mine is anyway. Twice in my life, I have rolled off of the side of my bed. And one time, one of those two times, I actually ended up hitting my head on the corner of my nightstand. And that 
fucking sucked so bad. Luckily, nothing serious. It was just like a little talk, talk on the way down. But the two times that did happen, in my dream, I was on the edge of a cliff. Obviously, in real life, I must have been on the edge of my bed. My body sensed this. My brain sensed this. And my dream was trying to communicate this to me. Or it was, this is the the most abstract way, the most abstract way to, to be warned that you're going to fall. Isn't it clever? Isn't that so clever? That's always tripped me the fuck out. I was falling, and as soon as I started rolling off that bed, I fell off that cliff, and then, bam, I hit the ground. I remember waking up, and I was like, breathing heavy again, just like, where the hell am I? I swear to God, I was just on top of a mountain peak, and I was about to fall over the side of a cliff. Oh, I'm on the ground, shit. (laughs) I guess my brain was trying to warn me. Hey, how? You're about to fall off your bed. You might want to wake up. This cliff dream should be scary enough to make you think like, hey, you're about to jump. I don't think you want to do that. (laughs) So silly. So fucking silly. Can you imagine if I was able to heed that warning? I, I can't understand in the middle of the night. I don't know what's going on. I'm unconscious, my dear brain. Actually, not me. You are unconscious, partly. You who are everything that I am. I always, I always are this, this language that we use that separates ourselves as a separate self from our brain is something that I want to try and get away from because it's not separate. You are your brain. The self is an illusion, but let me get to that in a minute. So, the second morning dream that I've had is in my dream, I had to go pee. Obviously, in the middle of the night, I had to go pee. So, my brain in the dream walked into the washroom and gave me the feeling in my dream that I had to pee. And then I suddenly woke up and I was like, hey, I got to go pee. <laughs> and so I did. And so I did. And uh, that was kind of lovely because I was obviously in a deep sleep. Enough of a deep sleep that my, my brain had to warn me via dream. That is so cool to me. That's some cool shit. That's a weird and amazing and cool thing. The illusion of self. The brain and I, the brain and I, look at the way I'm even saying that, my brain, me. It's so weird how we consider ourselves separate entities from our brain. And we often use that language too, because we're just so used to it now. I mean, for a number of years, there was the the mind-body separation. And um, the more we talk about this issue of the self and free will, I think the more it kind of disseminates out, the more it's easy to talk about it with people and they know where you're kind of coming from on it. I mean, I've talked about this or read about this free will, cognition stuff for quite some time. And 
if you kind of learn how the brain works in a very basic way, it's very easy to see that there is no room for a self. There's no room for an, a ghost in the machine, if you will. We often feel like we are the author of our thoughts. And it's such a strong feeling. The feeling of subjectivity is so incredibly strong. I personally feel like it's a way for us to communicate to ourselves. I mean, it certainly helps in our social, in the so, from the social perspective. Uh, theory of mind is definitely important for us to have. And theory of mind gets us in a lot of trouble too. It's one of the things that, it's one of the things that helps us connect with other people, but often has us thinking the incorrect thing about what they're thinking because we tend to project our thoughts on other people, which is hard not to do. I try not to do that. I don't like it. Things I try not to do is like, I feel this way. That doesn't mean you feel this way. So I'm not going to put it on you. If I think you're thinking a certain way, I'll ask you about it. But that's it. Fuck this tangent. I want to go back to the self, though. It's really impossible not to feel like there is something separate in you because we describe things to ourselves when they're happening to us, right? And we, we usually describe them in a, in a way that would suggest that there is something else happening that you are not in control of. Everything you're not in control of. I think it's very weird that we feel like we are authoring our thoughts when really, I don't even know where my words are coming from now. I don't even know. I don't even know how I form a sentence like this. I don't wake up in the morning and know what I want to talk about. I really just let my brain go. And sometimes you get coherence and you get adherence to a topic, and sometimes it'll be like today where it's all over the place. And I'm sure there are several factors that play into the way that I think. And even if I had control over one or two, there are way more that I don't have control over. This free will argument that you will often hear Sam Harris as a champion of the reason I think it's important, I mean, yes, I understand it's not practical. I think it's very, <clears throat> how can I describe this? For the simple-minded, that sounds rude, but deal with it. For the simple-minded, the exploration of an idea like that doesn't work because it is associated with things like personal responsibility, agency, all these things, okay? Okay. The thing to know about free will is it doesn't exist and the illusion is so strong, but regardless of the fact that it doesn't exist, doesn't mean people shouldn't be held responsible for things that they do. Of course, we all still need to regulate behavior. We have to think of it in terms of feedback loops and patterns. There are good patterns, there are bad patterns. We want good patterns to continue, we want to stop the bad ones. Same with behavior coming from people. You want to stop the bad ones and prevent them from occurring in larger society, and you want to encourage the good ones, right? 
Punishment is a necessary thing to break the feedback loop of that behavior. But the thing that it's really helpful for is having compassion for other people and understanding that we do not control who we are. We do not control how we process things. And we have never controlled the things that have shaped us to some degree, perhaps. But we're so greatly influenced by our environments. We were so greatly influenced by our childhood development. We were so greatly influenced by our peers and our yar. And we can't always determine the things that we're going to do, you know? We don't control those things. Biology is a tricky thing. Biology is something that is underpinned by physics. And physics is not something that we control. We are a manifestation of physics. The free will argument trips me out a lot, and anybody who says there is free will can never seem to explain it from that perspective. And I have yet to hear an argument against it that I find convincing. And let me give you a reason why there are no convincing arguments against free will. It's because there are none. And I get it. I I understand it makes people uneasy to think they do not have a say in the choices they make. I think you have inclinations based on probabilities that play out in your brain. I think that we can deliberate makes us feel like we do deliberate the end result. I don't believe that. I mean, you can think through factors, but even that thinking process... Even people who engage in that thinking, there are either people or influences around them that cause them to be that kind of person, or there aren't. But you know what? The thing to know, and the thing to really hold dear about this concept, is that it's important to have compassion for people. Even people you don't like, because they don't necessarily choose to be that way they are. They just are. Chance plays a huge role in our lives that we often dismiss. Again, because we always feel like we're directing things. We always feel like we're the director of the movie. But we're not. Physics is. Physical laws of the universe are the director of everything that's happening. At bottom. It is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, hey. There's a lot of things I think that I don't want to think. Okay? Especially having the imagination I do. A lot of it can be consequential and disgusting and gross. (laughs) And don't sit here and tell me you don't have fucked up thoughts. I feel like the people... So let's tie this back to our our current social climate, right? These SJW types who are having the kind of reactions they are to things and they... Who need... Who feel the need to virtue signal so badly. I feel like those people probably have just the most awful thoughts. And you can tell by the deceptive language that is used, right? They don't see their own racism. They're justifying their own racism by projecting something outward and not actually managing their own bullshit. I have compassion for that. It's sad, dude. It sucks. (laughs) 
It sucks when you just can't get it together and it sucks when you hate yourself so much and and can't seem to deal with it and all you can think to do is direct that inner hatred you have for yourself towards other people and instead lie to yourself and make yourself feel better about it because those things, those innate things are those things that are a part of you, those attitudes that you harbor that may not be the most ideal for society and for everybody at large. Those ideas that you harbor were obviously put into you through many years of experience and things that happened around your life that you couldn't control. And imagine how freeing it would be. How freeing it would be if you had that understanding about being a human being. The first step to recognizing change and to be able to recognize that is to be able to look at it in that way. That free will thing is very important for situations like that, I think, in order to really consider the way that we think about things and the way that we work. It's so important to understand how human beings work. I think it's weird that people don't. Like, psychology should be something that is taught in schools, Yes, we're all different. Yes, there's variation, but there are very clear patterns within humanity that we see again and again and again. Patterns that overtake our lives and our thinking stuff and everything and cause such a huge effect in the way that we live our lives. So though it may not be pragmatic to think that we don't have free will, It most certainly has utility when it comes to thinking of oneself. Another reason why the exercise of meditation or attempting to examine the contents of your consciousness is such a fruitful exercise to do. You start to notice your brain just constantly populates shit into the front of your head. And... Over time, obviously, your brain just kind of, it's like, it's like that white noise in the background. It's always there, but you just get used to it and you get to a point where you're thinking without knowing you're thinking. And the easiest time to notice that is by meditating. You, when you sit in silence, you'd think that you would just be sitting in silence. Oh no, my friends. Your brain is the loudest place in the world. There is nothing louder than what's happening in your head. And all you need to do is take a minute to listen to it. And the craziest shit will just come piling out and piling out. And you're like, what the F is going on? I thought I was breathing and meditating and trying to relax. Why is this all this anxiety? Why all these thoughts? Where is all this shit coming from? And it's a great skill to be able to just not react to your own thoughts. And just look at them. Just look at them. I feel like a lot of the time what we do is any thought that pops up, there's definitely an emotion that's attached to it. And we just run with that emotion. I feel this. It must be real. Not necessarily. Sometimes your brain is just going to produce shit that makes no sense to even consider on in, a, in a deep way. 
in a way that affects you. Sometimes your brain just pops out a sad thought. Do you have to give in to that? I don't think so. Something has to spark somebody to try something different if you want to think a little bit differently on something. It can be a difficult thing to do. It's hard to click yourself out of patterns that you have been immersed in for so long. But it's amazing how such a simple technique, such a simple technique as sitting in silence and trying to focus on your breath, really, really shows you demonstrably how your brain really never stops thinking. It doesn't. Tick-tock, tick-tock, all fucking day. All fucking day. Thought juices just pumping through that thing. (laughs) It thinks at night, it thinks in the day. It thinks independent of whatever self you think is in there. I always wish that there could be somebody who could explain to me or give me a counter-argument to free will. You feel like this is happening is not an argument. The, f- the free will concept comes from religion. God, man, there are so many ancient ideas that come from religion. Fuck religion. Can we go back to sex again? (laughs) I think I would like to do an episode on sex and porn. And I need to, um, maybe I'll ask my girlfriend if she wants to. Because her and I are pretty comfortable. We talk about this stuff all the time. Yeah, I'll see if I do that. How exciting is that, right? talk about some naughty naughty things but let's go back to this esoteric shit because that's where my head's at now little miss scatterbrain over here okay where was i an argument against free will that isn't a religious one and you know i've read daniel dennett's argument against it look we either live in a deterministic universe or we don't there's obviously an element of randomness i understand this but even that randomness Right? People say that randomness contributes to whatever free will we feel we have. No, it doesn't. Random is random. Random intrinsically implies that there's no fucking control there. It's just random. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if people know what words mean, you know? I really do wonder. It just goes to follow. Let's, Let's just go down the line of logic, okay? The production of thought, any thought that you have, is preceded by cognitive mechanisms, neurological mechanisms, neurochemistry dancing in your brain. And that is preceded by physical processes physical processes that operate via the laws of physics that we all know and love. So where in that chain, where in that chain is there room for free will? We have options. Our minds can perhaps, and they do, 
brains are probabilistic machines. Okay, the the blah, 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 they have an ability to do a cost-benefit analysis and make a decision based on probabilities and whatever results it has come up with, and then a decision is made. There's an experiment that shows this. A lot of people will say it's crude because it's not a big decision, but they fail to understand the larger point. There is an experiment where they can figure out if you're going to push the red button or the green button, I believe it is, before you're going to push it, because they can see brain activity prior to the decision being made. That's the important part. That's the important part. The decision doesn't matter whether it's big or small. The thing to recognize is that there are processes before that thought or decision is made that you are not controlling that are recurring to manifest the decision. It's really uncomfortable. It's unsettling. We certainly do not live like there's no free will, and I'm not suggesting we do, because the first thing somebody will say is, well, then you can't blame anybody for what they do. Yes, you fucking can. There is a very clear case to be made to punish bad behavior, and you have got to be very, very, very simple-minded to think that people should just be able to get away with shit because there's no free will. Yo, we got a society to run here. We got lives to take care of. Okay, we got to regulate. We got to regulate. We're responsible of regulate to regulate. We're responsible to do that. Just as we are responsible to regulate ourselves. If you're lucky enough to have the kind of brain that allows you to do that. (laughs) Wink. As a society, we need to regulate. Uh, For the survivability of our species, we got to regulate. We got to regulate these behaviors. We have to do that. Okay, that's what cops are for. We understand there are aspects of human nature that we cannot control, and that's why we have these safety nets. That's why we have things like this. Because we want to regulate the bad behavior. We do not want negative feedback loops going running amok. We do not. And it would not be in anybody's self-interest to allow that shit to just fucking run around freely in the world. Okay? Punishment is off the table to discuss with the free will thing. And it's a stupid-ass argument. It's a stupid-ass argument. I'm very sorry you feel uncomfortable with the fact that you have no control over your mind and your mind is just doing things. Your brain, sorry. Let's say your brain. But it is what it is and that's okay. And um, if anything, the most important thing to take, as I've already said, out of this discussion... Out of the free will thing is to have compassion for people when they do fucked up shit and when they have fucked up things about them. You know what you do with those people if you don't want to deal with them? Guess. You don't deal with them. Stay away from those people. There are people who have incredibly bad patterns. Hey, hey, I've had them myself. And hey, I've dated guys that have had them. And they were never going to change. And you know what I did? See ya. Bye. Because that's what you got to do. And the best thing in any situation is to recognize, like, don't... I know it feels really personal because you love people. 
and you get involved with them and you think they care. But just remember, there are so many base level operations as human beings that are happening in us that we can't control, that are going to cause us to be a certain way. Many people want to exploit situations and exploit people. And honestly, that's what we do as human beings. We exploit our environments for personal gain. It's what we do. So it's very understandable when you understand certain facets of human nature and cognition to apply those things in your life and be a lot more understanding of some of the fucked up shit that happens. We are a dark creature. Sure, we've gone through an enlightenment as a species. But that enlightenment hasn't evolved to a point yet where everybody is on a page where they can understand that very basic concept of our lives. That we are so weird. We are a mess. A bag of knots, guys. And the, the more we understand about ourselves, the easier it is to navigate those spaces and not have the kind of emotional reaction that is elicited from you when you see bad behavior in the world. As Sam Harris uses this, ex- this example all the time. You know, there was a man who had a glioblastoma. It's a tumor in, a, in the, the close to the frontal part of his brain. Suddenly... This man who had this tumor growing in his mind had the urge to do very bad things. He was losing his impulse control. This is a man who had a a regular job. He had a family, two children. He wrote a letter um, when he committed suicide. Well, he killed his wife and kids, first of all. And then he committed suicide. And he wrote a letter that says, I have no idea why I did this. I love my wife and I love my children, but I, I can't live like this. Once, once I do this, can you please cut me open and see what is wrong with me? And sure enough, they found a tumor in a part of his brain. The part of the brain that is known to to take care of that impulse your frontal cortex is where that impulse control mechanism is most of your deliberative thinking happens in your prefrontal cortex this is the the most recently evolved part of your brain and um if there's anything if there's any structural deficiency so often psychopaths or sociopaths will have a a structural deficiency with their brain where there are either regions missing or regions that are shrunken in the prefrontal cortex. So their impulse control is very bad. And they tend to engage in more risky behaviors because of it. It's very, very delicate, your brain. Um, And functions and functionality of certain things are localized. There are regions of your brain that are responsible for different aspects of the way that you think and the way that you act. And if certain parts of your brain are not available, sure, other parts can compensate to a degree. But it's just not the same if you don't have that structural integrity. It's all about structure. It's about structure and it's how the, the mechanisms work via that structure. And it's very important. It's super important. I say that a lot. This, it's super important. 
for me, just understanding these little things has made it easier for me to kind of navigate through difficult people. What first sparked my interest in this whole learning about human beings and brains and all these things is having dealt with my father, my mother, my stepfather, just a series of really mean and awful people who really did a number on me, you know? And um, I also had this obsession at one point. I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a fucking brain hacker. I'm going to be a biohacker. I'm going to learn all there is about about the brain, and I'm going to learn every technique that I can, and then I'm just going to try and tweak my brain however I want and make it work however I want. And I'm just going to try and be this super genius. <laughs> Please, Amy. Girl, you are out of your mind. Yes, I know I am. But you know what? It's okay. Sometimes you got to be out of your mind to fall back into it. That's some deep shit, all right? Sometimes you got to be totally out of it to get right into it. And the best way to do that is really by learning how the brain works. Again, I can't emphasize how important psychology is. Every conversation, everything that's happening in the world, everything we see, it all relates back to psychology. It all relates back to all these fucking things that I've talked about today. Maybe not the sex dreams, but you know how that goes. We can be randy, we can be curious, we can be all the things in one fucking thought cast. This is what you get with Amy Kay, my friends. The morning time is exploring time. You know, I explore with all my heart. I like to have fun. Sometimes you just gotta let your brain go. And you know what? Whatever the fuck that means, because that's just what's happening. Up and down and round and round and all over the place. And talking. And I'm happy that I get to share my brain with you. It's a fun thing for me. It's a fun thing for me to explore like this. You know, I enjoy it quite a bit. I like to kind of grapple with big ideas. Um, The free will thing is one of my favorite topics to discuss. Cognition is one of my favorite topics to discuss. And I feel like that's something I should probably get more into um, over here. I'm going to try and, uh, you know, I had a conversation this weekend with one of my dearest friends in the world and uh, Chris, and I wish that I recorded it because it was so good. We had such a good fucking conversation and him and I have discussed this free will idea quite a few times together and uh, I, you know, we haven't, it's one of those things for for us that we're like, mm, you know, th- there are certain things that if you're not, that you don't subscribe to, I really do question where your head's at. I really do question your kind of, your level of of investigation and how much you look into things. And I really do question your understanding more broadly because there's just a very simple connection between our biology and physics. And to dismiss that and to pretend there's something more, I know we want to feel like there's something more about us. I know we do. Because there is something really cool that it's like to be a human. It's really cool. 
it's interesting. We feel all these things. You know, we're we're confused. We're constantly grappling with ourselves. So grappling with these larger, more what seem esoteric concepts can be a little bit difficult because they're so counterintuitive. But if there's one thing that we've learned from science all these years, after all the blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work, and exploration, and discoveries that have been made, it's that most of the things that we think we see, we don't see them as they are. And perception is reality is a very strongly operative thing. And it's often what makes it a bit difficult for people, I think, to grasp the things that science is trying to convey, especially when it gets technical. Yo, biology, just as one subject, is insane. It's insane. When you really start to break yourself down as a person, when you consider that your skin is a bunch of living organisms working together to be that organ. You are a whole of a sum of parts. Your systems within systems within systems, it is a fractal thing. And it's fucking crazy to think that such fundamental units of matter the atom, the quark, whatever, have created all this amazing life around us. And us that can talk and think and deliberate seemingly and experience things and feel things so strongly and really feel them. You ever heard that expression, I feel it in my bones or I feel it in my soul? Whatever the fuck a soul is, you know what we're talking about, right? When you feel things, when you watch a movie and you're moved to tears, or you listen to music and you feel tingles everywhere, these things are incredible. They're insane. To be a human being in this life is the coolest fucking ride you will ever get a chance to be a part of. And it's trippy, yo. It's trippy. It's so trippy. There's a lot going on. There's so much we don't understand. But it always helps to work from the method that is going to bring us closest to that reality and that science. And yes, things are counterintuitive. Science has shown us that things are counterintuitive. They're weird. They're, they're strange. Reality is stranger than fiction. But I think that we have so much to gain from acknowledging reality from that perspective, from an objective perspective. Subjectivity is really cool on a personal level, but objectivity is far more important, okay? Far more important than our own personal goals and needs. They're both important. You gotta, you gotta balance them. I shouldn't say subjectivity isn't important. I didn't say that, right? I said objectivity is more important. Our oughts should be derived from is. We should be living our lives based on what is, which can get confusing. Science is made a little bit more difficult because once it condenses down into the layman, the the very, I always say this in a very rude way, I always say the lowest common denominator or whatever. 
I don't know how else to describe it. But by the time science comes down the pipeline to the, the regular Joe, it's been condensed so much and incorrectly that I don't think it's conveyed totally correctly. I have this issue because what I want to do is I don't, I really don't like the idea of dumbing down information. I like the idea of finding a way to encourage people to, to up, to up their game a little bit. How can we make people better readers? How can we make people understand things? How do you make people value evidence? There was this great quote by, quote by Sam Harris. I got to find it. I'm sucking his dick today, aren't I? Sorry, guys. Uh, I know a lot of people are like me, Sam Harris, but I don't know how you could be. I think he's, he's such an important figure in our culture. Um, it's kind of like Joe, right? People who exhibit these kinds of behaviors that are really good for us to use as example, I'm huge on. I'm huge on. Those people touch me in a place in my heart that I can't really describe. So gay. Oh my God, you're so gay, Amy. I know. I know. But it is what it is, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I don't control how I feel. When I feel strongly about something, I know I don't control that. When I feel deeply and passionately about something, I don't control that. That's just a pension of my mind, and and it's it's just what it is. And I'm okay with that. And I'll leave you with this. If someone doesn't value evidence, what evidence are you going to provide to prove that they should value it? If someone doesn't value logic, what logical argument could you provide to show the importance of logic? And that's where I feel like we find ourselves right now. That's where I feel like we find ourselves with people who are so vehemently against these, these very big ideas of free will, of cognition, of just very simple ideas in science and biology, you know, evolution being such a huge one. Listen, it's a big deal. <laughs> it is a big deal. Um, and I don't know where to start with that, but I'm just going to talk about it. So, hey, that's what I do. I talk. That was a very fun hour and 10-ish minute journey through the weird areas of my brain. <laughs> Sex dreams and lace. And let's kind of talk about, I got, I'm so fucking sick of Brexit. I really wanted to, sh to share this article with you. I'll put it in the description. But it's just people who have moved to Canada now who are complaining because the pound has dropped in value and blah, blah, blah. I think it was really funny. At some point in this article, someone said, oh, like, our money's not even going to be worth something in Canada. <laughs> I think. I can't remember. But I remember reading it and thinking, Jesus Christ. Like, there's going to be a little bit of a dip. Oh, our money won't translate into Canadian dollars. What the hell do you mean our money won't translate into Canadian dollars? Hysteria, man. Like, I get it. You're upset. Just move and shut up already. Shh. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, my friends, my dear pals, I hope you have a great day today. All right. Lots of stuff to think about. 
Anything you want to share? You know what to do. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up at getitoffyourchest.wut at gmail.com. I'm going to see if I can armbar Chris into having a conversation with me because um, he's one of my most favorite people to talk to and we always have fucking awesome conversations. Awesome conversations. And um, I'm going to try and get some Jamie time soon and... I'm probably going to get some more Eric time soon. I'll see if I can have Eric Electron back too, but he's Mr. Busy Pants because he's in university and stuff. So working, going to school, living that hustle life, you know? Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling. That's right. That's the attitude. Hustle up, baby. Hustle up. You got to do it. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed your coffee. My sweetie faces. Okay, we'll chat soon. Big kiss. Bye.